Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, thank you for being here on this uh, Memorial Day holiday. And before I get started uh, preaching this morning, uh, I think it would be uh, good to uh, have a time of, of remembrance uh, for our those who have served and those who have given everything they had to give uh, with their lives. I have a, a thing that I got, uh, actually, uh, Sister Janice Hill put it on uh, Facebook yesterday, and uh, I want to read this uh, to you, and uh, then we're going to have a moment of silence for, uh, for those who have given their lives uh, for their love of country. This is what uh, was written. Monday will be the most expensive holiday on the calendar. Every hot dog, every burger, every spin around the lake, or drink with friends and family is a debt purchased by others. This is not about who, all who served. That day comes in the fall. This one is in honor of those who paid in life and blood, <coughs> whose moms never saw them again, whose dads wept in private, whose wives raised kids alone, and whose kids only remembered them from pictures. This is simply a day off. This is a day to remember that others paid for every free breath that you ever get to take. We thank God for them. Freedom was paid for with a great price. Let's take this opportunity to have a, a moment of silence, not for just our fallen heroes, but for those who still mourn and who still suffer from their loss. Father God, thank you that we live in a country very, very imperfect, leaning more and more every day toward evil. God, that doesn't take away from those who have given their very lifeblood to make sure we have the freedom even to do wrong. We lift up every family who have lost loved ones to death in war defending this nation. We pray for every hero that, that gave all that they had, and they gave it willingly, God. We pray, God, for every POW, that a lot of those men and women who went missing have never been discovered, 
Their families don't even know exactly what happened to them. And so those things remain. This is the time we've set aside to celebrate them. And God, we celebrate them and we celebrate you above them. For we know, God, that every POW, you know where they are. You know what happened to them. You know their story. You know every person in the world wars who died in the trenches and died on the beaches that were buried in mass graves. You know every one of them. You know where they are. You know who they are. And you are with every family that mourns for them. So God, thank you for being our God. And thank you for allowing us to live in a, a nation that is imperfect as we see it. It's still way above the other nations. And Lord, a nation who still, in part, calls you their God. Help us, Lord, to always stand with you and always stand for right and good and to stand against all evil. And thank you, Lord, once again for all those who gave us the right to be free. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You have your Bibles and we'll be reading from two uh, scripture settings this morning. Uh, first one's going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. The second is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. So if you want to go ahead and look both of those up. We're going to be talking uh, this morning, I guess the title of this message is, We Are at War. We Are at War. You know, the scripture tells us, Christ told us, there would always be wars and rumors of wars. There's always wars around this world. Uh, but there is a war that we fight, and we don't fight it the way worldly warfare is fought. And that is the war that we're going to be looking at today. So Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge 
all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts, our minds, and show us in it, Lord, what you would have us to know and help us to live according to it. And Lord, to realize, God, that our warfare is not like the wars and the heroes of the wars we celebrate today. Our war is different. Our war is fought on a whole different battlefront, but it has casualties, just like every war. So God, help us today to be willing to live our lives and make sure, Lord, that we fight this good fight and we do it on the side of holiness, on the side of righteousness, and in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray these in things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, just as war between nations has great casualties, so does a war between good and evil. Good and evil is fought much differently. It's fought, our adversary is not men. Our adversary, if we have one that we can name, is Satan, is his name. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Our warfare is with him. Our warfare is with powers of darkness. We fight for souls. We don't fight for riches. We don't fight for land. We don't necessarily fight for ideals. We fight for the righteousness and the holiness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We fight to see that no one goes to hell and that all who will will go to heaven. That is the warfare that we fight. And it's not an easy war. It's hard because there's so much evil in this world and there's so much ignorance about the Word of God. There's so much deceit about the Word of God. There's so many people who preach and teach that you can do anything you want to and it's okay with God. It's a warfare that is big. It's a warfare that's growing. It's a warfare that seems that we're just losing on every front. But I've got news for you. Good news. I've looked in the back of the book. Amen. <coughs> Amen. We win. We win. Evil is not going to win. We are not to, to, uh, to kill. We're not sent to kill. We're not sent to destroy. We are sent to present. Amen? We're sent to present. What are we supposed to present? We're supposed to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why that? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is strong. Amen. It is powerful. Amen. It's sharper than any two-edged sword is the word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most powerful weapon on earth. Amen. A lot of people say, oh, that's poppycock. Oh, that's hogwash. Oh, we got nuclear bomb. We don't have anything to compare to the power of the Word of God. How many of you have been changed by the Word of God? How many of you have been transformed by the Word of God? How many of you 
have called on the name of the Lord, have met Jesus Christ in an altar, and you know that he is real. Amen. You know that he's alive. You know that he's well. You know that he's coming back. You know that he has all power in heaven and earth. You know him, and you know who he is. Yes. Praise God. That is the power of God unto salvation. Everything must be done in and through Jesus Christ. Thank God we know him and we believe him. This is his church. He says in Revelation that he walks in the midst of the people in his church. He walks amongst his candlesticks. He is here today. His presence is here. And we are to celebrate him, yet we are to be prepared for the war that we are in. We're all in this war. Amen. And so we, we present the gospel of Christ. We present the truth of Jesus Christ. We present the way that he is, and he is the only way. Amen. Our war is fought everywhere. Our war is fought in our houses. Our war is fought in our jobs. Our war is fought anywhere we are where there's evil. There's evil everywhere. So our war is everywhere we are. Our war is fought in every front. And, the, and all of this evil exists. And we, we are the ones who are the light in the darkness. We are the ones with the, with the, with the keys to the kingdom. Amen? Amen? And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ himself. Our weapons, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we just read, are not, are, are not weapons. They're not carnal. Amen? They are not carnal. They are mighty through God. We don't use a pistol. We don't use a rifle. We don't use artillery. We don't use a grenade. We don't use clubs. We don't use any of those things. And the worst thing we can do is use the gospel of Jesus Christ as a weapon like that against people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not against people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is against evil. Amen. And it is to be presented in truth, not as a weapon, but as a means for them to see light and a way for them to believe. And our work is to, in our warfare, is to make sure people know, hear, and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. To know that he is the way of salvation. So the Bible says, look in this, this is our key verse, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. He's not talking about walls built with hands. He's not talking about walls that are made of stone or structures of steels or walls like we've, we've been building on the south border that, that are made out of steel. He's not talking about those walls. Those walls can be torn down. The walls that we are, are trying to penetrate, the walls that we are trying to tear down are the walls of our mind, the walls of our heart, the, the, the walls that lead to vain imaginations. It says casting down uh, imaginations and every high thing that does what? That exalteth itself. That exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Y'all, there's a lot of things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. There's a lot of things in our lives that we place higher priority than God himself. God help us. Amen. Amen. 
it's no wonder that the Lord told us that we must seek Him first, that we must put Him first, that we must call upon Him and recognize that He's greater than anything. He's not going to play second fiddle. Now listen to me. He's not going to play second fiddle to school activities. He's not going to play second fiddle to summer ball. He's not going to play second fiddle to the Super Bowl. He's not going to play second fiddle to anything. And y'all, when you get to looking around the things that we put up higher than him, it's ridiculous. He's not playing second fiddle to work. He's not playing second fiddle to family. He's not playing second fiddle to husbands. He's not playing second fiddle to wives. He's not playing second fiddle to your children. He says, I must be first. Amen. That's the thing that we need to get down plain in our hearts and lives. We need to put God first. Amen. And then we need to love each other. Praise God. And the Lord gave us a promise if we'll do just those two things. He said, if you'll do these things, I'll give you something. You know what that is? I'm going to give you life, and I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. Hallelujah. That is the way we become soldiers of the cross. We encounter Jesus Christ. We meet Him at an altar of prayer. He saves us with His Holy Spirit. He forgives us of our sins. He fills us with Himself. And He gives us something that lost man does not have. He gives you the power through the Holy Ghost to be a witness for Him everywhere you go. Amen. How often? All the time. Anytime and everywhere. Amen. So these things that we fight are not flesh and blood, but we are enabled to pull down these strongholds and, and we are able to do these things by the power that's given to us in the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 8, I know y'all here get tired of me quoting this scripture, where, where the Lord told, told them that, uh, that uh, in, in Acts 1 and 8, that you shall receive power. When? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You cannot have this power without what God has laid out that we all must have. Jesus said, I must go away and the Comforter will come. I pray unto the Father and when I leave, He's going to come back. He will not leave you comfortless. He will dwell in you. And then Jesus makes a, 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 a great statement that He wanted us to all understand. When He, the Spirit of Truth, comes and dwells in us, that He and the Father are in us also because we're one. Not only do they dwell in us through the Holy Spirit, but we dwell in them because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And that is the way we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. We cannot fight this war in the flesh. We must fight this war in the Spirit. And if we are strong in the Spirit, if we stay filled with the people say, I get so tired of you saying i got to be filled over and over. You better believe that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. Does evil get stronger? Yeah. I'm sure. Is evil more manifest than you've ever seen it in your life? Yeah. Do you ever thought that you'd see the wickedness that has become normal? that you see in this world today? You know why? 
Because wickedness gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You know why? Because Satan manifests it and makes it stronger. And we must stay filled with the Holy Spirit of God to be able to combat this kind of wickedness. Amen. Amen. Don't ever be afraid to ask the Lord to fill you up. I ask Him that all the time. Praise the Lord. And even with that, it's still hard. Do we have casualties? Yes. Look at the, the Stephen in, in the book of Acts, chapter 7. The first, one of the first uh, uh, deacons of the church. He stood, he went out, and he got in the midst of a crowd that he knew wasn't going to like what he was preaching. And they went to asking him questions, and they went to trying to grill him. And you know what he did? He stood on what he knew about Jesus Christ. He stood on what he knew because he had been filled with the Holy Ghost. He stood on truth and he proclaimed to them who the great I Am was. He proclaimed to them that it was Jesus Christ. And he went on to tell them, and you killed this man. You killed Jesus. You killed the Messiah. And you know what they did? They killed him. Amen. Casualties. We see in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, in the chapter of faith, you see at the end of it. And they tell you all these people who won and did victorious, uh, win, uh, uh, won victorious battles in their lives with Satan and with, uh, with the evils of this world. And yet at the end of that, it, it gives unnamed people. And it talked about people who lived in caves, who were naked, who were, who were afraid, who, who, who were starving to death. And yet they would not yield. They believed until they died. Amen? They gave up their lives believing they would not give in to, to the evil of this world. We have a generation that is willing and, and wanting to give in. You know why? Because it's easier to surrender than it is to fight. It's easier to surrender than it is to fight. Not only are we not allowed to surrender, we are not allowed to compromise. The greatest thing it started years ago. Can't we just all get along? Can't you just accept a person that's different from you, that don't want to be like you? And you get to thinking about that, and, and you know what we came up with? If they'll leave me alone, I'll leave them alone. And then it got worse. It says, okay, now you separate yourself, you compromise, you're not calling evil evil anymore, you're not calling good good anymore. Now that you say you've isolated yourselves, you know what? We're not called to isolate ourselves. We're called to present, we're called to proclaim. We're not to proclaim it to each other, we're to proclaim it to the lost people of this world. You cannot isolate yourself and do that. You must be willing to proclaim. The Word is our sword. We are given armor to wear. That is spiritual armor. And how many of you believe that stuff works? Amen. Amen. Bible says it does. Do you believe it does? Do you have this armor? Have you asked for this armor? Do you use your armor? <coughs> Amen. The Word. The word is our sword. It is powerful. Prayer is our avenue to the source of this power. And Satan cannot stand against a name that is above every name. Amen. 
He cannot stand up to the name of Jesus Christ. We need to use that name. We need to proclaim that name. We need to proclaim the power of that name. It is powerful. Do you believe that? Amen. The name, Jesus. One of these days, everybody's going to bow. Amen. Every evil person, everyone, even Hitler himself, is going to bow to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we are too. All of us need to bow. We need to bow here. We need to proclaim Him here. We need to exalt Him here. We need to lift Him up here. We need to tell people He is the answer. Not only is He the answer, He is the only answer. There's no other answer to be had. Amen. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims that. When Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except by me, do you believe that verse? Do you believe what Jesus said? Do you believe He is that? Amen. Then there's no other way. And there's no other, there's no getting around that. We don't do this by anger. You know, I even got to a point one time where I told my pastor at, at the last church I was at, you know, it looked like we're going to have to be, become writers. It looks like we're going to have to take up arms. It looks like we're going to have to start shooting people. We're going to have to stand against this evil because this evil that we could see coming even 15, 16 years ago has taken over to a point where it's gotten into our schools and it's contaminating the minds of our children. Amen. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, we are not called to write. We're not called to take up arms. We're called to stand. And we have not stood to prevent this kind of wickedness from taking over everything around us. Amen. Right. Our warfare starts in our house. Our warfare goes into our school. Our warfare goes onto our jobs. Our warfare goes into our government. Our warfare is against evil no matter where it's at. And there's plenty of it to go around. And we need to get our heads out of the sand and put it in heaven. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. We need to quit backing off and shivering and we need to take the power of the Holy Ghost. We need to take the Holy Ghost in fire. We need to be filled up and we need to proclaim the gospel, but we're afraid. We're afraid we might wind up like Stephen. You know where Stephen wound up? In heaven. <laughs> where all of us are trying to go. There he is. You ever get to meet him one day? Hallelujah. I want to meet Stephen, don't y'all? I want to meet the man that wasn't afraid of the mob. I want to meet the man that wasn't afraid to tell the truth. I want to meet that man who proclaimed Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is what we're supposed to be proclaiming. That is the warfare that we fight. Not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the darkness, against evil that overtakes us. <coughs> Amen. Anger and violence has no place in this war. Neither does writing. James chapter 1, verse 20, this is what James wrote. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. <coughs> God don't want us to fight. He don't want us to kill. He don't want us to write. He wants us to stand in faith on His Word. Amen. 
He wants us to proclaim it in the midst of all this wickedness. Amen. Where are the people who proclaim? Where are the people in government? Where are the people that proclaim and say this is all wrong? We're hiding. We're afraid. We don't want to be the ones labeled bigots. Well, we're already labeled that, y'all. Yeah. You know what? I never thought I would see a day when, when you'd wear the, the, the title of bigot proudly. If being a Christian is a bigot, I thank God I'm a bigot with a capital B. Amen. If standing on the word of God means that I'm a judge, I'm a judge with a capital J. If being filled with the Holy Ghost means that, that I'm a, a narrow-minded fool, then I'm glad to be a narrow-minded fool. Amen. 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 Because there's only one way. And his name is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So how do we fight? How do we fight under the mighty hand of God? Humble ourselves, he said, under the mighty hand of God. And he'll do things for you. Amen. Come to them in the name of Jesus. Come to them in the word of Jesus. Come to them in the power of the Holy Ghost. Filled with his spirit. Full of the word. Standing on the promises of the Word of God. You know what? We all need to know the promises of the Word of God. You know why? Because the Scripture tells us about those promises that every one of them are yea and amen. That means that every promise He made from Old to New Testament, from the beginning to the end, He will fulfill. Every one of them. And you know what my favorite one is? What is your favorite promise of the Word of God? You know, there's lots of them you can choose from. I like the one where he says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I love that promise. But my favorite one is, I'm going to come back and get you. Hallelujah. That's my favorite one because I know when that one takes place, the rest of this stuff is not going to mean anything anymore. But i got to get to that point and so do you. So we fight. We fight under this mighty hand of God. We fight filled with the Spirit. We fight full of the Word of God. We fight standing on the promises. And we always, without end, pray. Amen. 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 Let me read to you, and I'm fixing to close right here. <laughs> this is from the Old Testament. Psalm. Listen to this, this scripture. I love this old scripture right here. We've got a song about this, as a matter of fact that people think it's one of them old blah, blah, blah songs. It means a lot to us. Amen. Listen to what the scripture says. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. <laughs> we need to cry for this nation. We need to cry for our children. We need to cry for our schools. We need to call out in the name of Jesus and have tears flowing because of the evil that's taken over. He can do more good with that than we can do rioting and writing our senators and congressmen who are just as corrupt as anyone else. Amen. Amen. But let me finish this scripture. They that sow in tears and reap in joy. Now listen to this. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Y'all know what that means? Crying. Mourning. He that goeth forth weeping. Bearing what? Precious seed. What is the seed? 
Jesus said, it is the word of God. We need to go weeping, bearing the word of God. <coughs> Shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Hallelujah. I like that old song. I like the message of that old song because I see the scripture where that old song comes from. And the sheaves are not sheep. The sheaves are bundles of wheat that have been gathered and wrapped up in a bundle and they call that bundle a sheave. There's going to be a great reaping. There's going to be a great harvest. There's going to be a sickle laid to everything. Amen. Those that are saved are going to go with Jesus. Those that are lost, the tares that the Bible talks about are going to burn in hell. Amen. And you know what? The truth about those, the wares and the, the wheat, they look alike. But they're not alike. Amen. So we need to sow. We need to present the precious gospel of Jesus. We need to water the seed with our tears. We need to fertilize that seed with prayer. And we need to nurture it with love. And if we would do those things, Say, Brother Gary, if I do that, do you promise me I'll change everyone? Nope. But I promise you this. If you'll do this, you'll change yourself. Amen. And you'll be glad you did. And your children may be saved. Your grandchildren may be saved. Your neighbor may be saved. Your husband may be saved. Your wife may be saved. Your brother or your sister may be saved. Your daddy or your mother may be saved. Because when you do it the way God says, there are results. Amen. 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 There's always results. Do you believe God? Amen. Do you believe His Word? Amen. Do you believe that scripture we just read? Yes. Then let's do it that way. Let's do it. And look what He says. When you do it this way, you're going to come rejoicing. You're going to have joy. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of people whose children ain't going to make it. Whose husbands or their wives ain't going to make it. Whose daddies or their mothers ain't going to make it. But when you share with them according to the Word of God, you have done your part. Amen. Now listen to me. Every single man, woman, and child are going to be accountable for themselves. Yeah. Our job is to show them what they're accountable for, who they're going to be accountable to, and what they can do to be unblameable on that day. Covered under the blood. Washed. Renewed. Regenerated, filled with the Spirit, living for Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be. On this Memorial Day, let's remember the fallen, but let's remember those that are still walking and remember that our warfare is different from that and that we have a way to fight it and we must be prepared to fight. Are you ready to fight? Are you prepared to fight? Do you have these things in your heart and life? Then I guess the question, if you say yes to all these, is are you fighting? Are you doing these things? 
or are you sitting on the sideline saying, let somebody else fight, I'll watch it. God help us. We need to stay full, be full. We need to come to the altars. We need to pray. We need to ask for power. We need to be filled. We need to be ready. And then we need to know the Word. You need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely imperative. Amen. Would you stand? Please close your eyes and bow your head. These altars are open for prayer. I pray that you know, there's a lot of families going to get together tomorrow. A lot of people off work tomorrow. What a time when your family is going together to tell them how great Jesus is. To let them know what they need to know. To let them know who they need to know. You know, we got a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian. They don't go to church. They don't ever look at the Word of God. They don't do anything. We need to make sure people understand that our work is a kingdom work. It never stops. We never get to take a vacation from it. As long as there are lost people, that kingdom work must continue. As long as there are lost people, there's still a war. As long as Satan is unhindered, there's a fight. As long as evil is rampant, we must be strong and diligent and stand. We need to be steadfast. We need to believe our God. We need to be filled with His Spirit, full of His grace. Know about His mercy and extend mercy, extend grace, extend love, extend compassion, but do it with truth. We can't do it with a lie. The truth. Jesus didn't only say, I'm the only way, I'm the only truth. And I'm the only way to life. Help us to be ready to give an account anytime, anywhere we are, to anyone we encounter as to what we believe and who we believe in. Help us to do that. Help us to not be ashamed of our testimony. Help us not to be ashamed of our Lord because He said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I don't want that to you. We need to fight, but fight God's way, not our way. This invitation is almost over. <clears throat> Thank y'all for being here today. Thank you for all the beautiful music and uh, everything, and I pray that uh, that you will, will think about our fallen heroes and pray for their families today.
There's nothing we can do for them other than honor them. But we can pray for their families. How many of you in here are affected by death of a serviceman or a woman? How many? There's a lot of hands going up right now. War has affected a lot of families. I have a first cousin who's got a daughter. She never knew her daddy. She was just a baby. She never knew him. And she's got a shrine built to him. To honor him all the time she does that. And she loves for me to tell her about knowing him and the things that he did. And she just loves it. She's so hungry to know him. I told her, I said, baby, one of these days, you'll know. Amen. That's what our warfare yes, sir. can accomplish for them. Amen. Yeah. You know why? There's a lot of people that we born that are dead. But Jesus said something else we need to stand on. He that believeth on me shall never die. Woo! That's our God. That's who we believe in. That's who we proclaim. And that's what we need to proclaim. The evil loves work. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Hope to see you here tonight. Don't forget, Miss uh, Shirley Hefley is in room 624 South at St. Michael's. Everybody's going to go here in a little while and check on her and uh, see how she's doing. And uh, I'll let y'all know tonight, but I want to send her a card or give her a call if she'll answer you. But uh, anyway, be in prayer for her. I love all of y'all. Y'all have a great, safe Memorial Holiday. Amen. And, and uh, just remember who you are. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Um, Brother Dave, would you dismiss us, please? Lord, thank you for allowing us to be at your church, be here with you. Lord, thank you for Brother Gary, the cold of the fight for you. And Brother Johnny, as he says, stand for you. Lord, we just asked you to give us the knowledge, the strength, the wisdom to do these things. Lord, just be with the families of the fallen heroes. Lord, we just asked you to forgive us for we're failing and our shortcomings. Lord, go with us and protect us and bring us back to your house tonight. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, I need some readers. Uh, four. Who wants to read for me? Why? Can you? You want to get a tiny to help me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she can't read it. <laughs> He's smart. He probably smart. I can't probably read it better. You got to help him read. Okay. I'm going to give you Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. All right. I got three more. Who wants one? Uh, Jeremiah, uh, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Uh, Six, Pat, see your hand up. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse
verses 22 through 25. I got one more. Who wants it? You can't have two. Why? Oh, Brother Gene. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Thank y'all for getting that done. When I call your name out, well, you can uh, go ahead and do this. And why you get to be John the Baptist tonight? Because what we're going to uh, we're going to read comes from what he said. Now this morning we <clears throat> we finished up the service talking about uh, going forth and planting precious seed, going forth and weeping and planting precious seed. The Bible uh, says a lot about you know it uses work to describe kingdom work a lot of times. It used, uh, in the Old Testament, it used the potter. Uh, it also uses fishermen. It uses uh, farming. It uh, uses uh, herders, sheep, sheep herding. It uh, uses a lot of different things uh, to, to show us what kingdom work looked like. Looked like. The one that uh, we're most familiar with, I think, is, is the seed, the planting of the seed, because most of us have planted seed. Uh, it also uh, tells us that uh, uh, Jesus told him in the parable that he did about the sower that went forth. He explained to his disciples and us that uh, the sower is us. Uh, the seed is the word of God. The soil are people. That, uh, and there's different types of people. And uh, it even gives, gives in the detail about uh, planting and, uh, and uh, the earth that is fallow or are tilled and prepared for the seed, give different types of souls for different types of people and what happens when they hear, whether they respond and why they don't respond to the word of God and the things that interfere. And so uh, the, it, it leads up to this, that, that the Lord requires us to bear fruit, to be fruitful. When we plant uh, seed, we expect that seed to come up into a plant and we expect it to multiply greatly what the seed was. If it's corn, we expect the stalk of corn to come up with more than one ear of corn on it. If you only got one ear, you'd get a hundred times what you put in the ground, you know, close to it anyway. But uh, we expect that to happen. If you plant a pea, you expect a vine to come up and you want to pick peas off of that thing for, for two or three weeks after it, it starts producing. So being fruitful to God is also something is the reason he chose the profession of farming and seed planting uh, is to show that he does want us to be fruitful people. Amen. He expects us to multiply what he has given to us. And that's why we try to encourage each other to go out to, to, to tell people what Christ has done for us, each one of us, so that they will know, and that is our method of planting seed. Our method of planting seed is also telling them what the scripture says. You can tell them about events that's going on now. You can tell them about Christ is going to come. You can tell them about what to look for before he comes. You can tell them a lot of things. And what you have to do to be ready for his coming is the main thing that we have to tell them. And so that is the seed we plant. And when we plant it uh, in, in, the, in the soil, in the book of Mark, uh, it, it tells us after Christ did that, it talks about when the seed goes in the ground, you don't see the seed anymore. You don't see what happens to that seed. But there is something that takes place, so we continue to go to where we planted that seed to see what's going to come up and watch it when it does come up. And so that is a picture of who we are in our kingdom work, and it calls that kingdom work. The planting of the seed is the kingdom work that we do. 
And we, we use that phrase a lot here at the church about kingdom work. And the kingdom work is the planting of the seed and, and causing fruitfulness. So fruitfulness is required to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, unlike fruit from plants that are, that are seasonal, we are to be fruitful how much? Oh, we are to be instant in season and instant out of season. Paul made this remark to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, that he is to, we are to be instant in season and out of season. He was encouraging Timothy to preach the word or plant the seed, and we, we are to be instant at any moment that that is uh, called on to do. When we plant a garden, we wait till spring. Okay, there's certain things we plant in the wintertime. You can plant potatoes, you can plant cabbage, you can plant onions, you can plant things like that early, but you have to wait till after frost to plant other uh, crops so it's seasonal. Our, our planting of the seed and our fruitfulness and those things that we do in kingdom work has got no season. Okay, it's something we're supposed to always do. Instant, we're supposed to know what to do. We're supposed to have the seed to plant we're supposed to be able to plant that seed, and we're supposed to be do it, able to do it at any time and all the time. That puts a little pressure on us, doesn't it? You know, because one of the things that I've heard over the years is people say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, if you don't know what to say, that means you don't have the seed to plant. Amen? If the seed is the word and you don't know what to say, you don't have any seed. You need seed. You need to know what to say. You need to practice it. Don't go look in the mirror and give your testimony to yourself. Practice giving it to someone else. And when somebody asks you, you already know what to say. You told yourself. So, you know, that sounds silly, doesn't it? But, but we are to be instant in season. We're to be instant out of season. And let me tell you what. Testifying is like anything else. It's hard to get started. But once you start, if you continue to do it, it gets easier as it goes. Okay? It's something we need to be willing to do. And so we need to be instant in season. Romans 14 and 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of, God, uh, of himself to God. Our fruitfulness, our faithfulness, our planning, our kingdom work is going to be what, uh, we, when we stand before God, we're going to have to give an account for why we did or what we did or what we did not do. Okay? And so we need to remember that when we stand before the Lord, we want to be, it said of us, that we were fruitful people, okay? Because fruitfulness is very important. What did Jesus do when he found a tree that he wanted uh, to eat off of and there was no fruit on it? He, he killed it. He cursed it. And it died. And what was the argument that the disciples gave him? Lord, it's not time for it to bear fruit. It didn't matter to him. To him, that tree, when he got up there, he was God. He was creator. When he walked up to that tree, it should have fruit on it. And that was what he was wanting to show them, that he expected us to bear, us to bear fruit. He knew, he knows we're not trees. He knew the tree wasn't going to have fruit, but he wanted to use that tree for an example to show us that we are not trees. We should be fruitful when he requires it from us, okay? And, and so any time is the right time. Our fruitfulness will be highlighted at the time that we, we are before him. And, and everything that we've done for Jesus' glory will be on display. Amen? Jesus taught that a good tree does what? It bringeth forth good fruit. But what does a corrupt tree bring forth? 
corrupt fruit. So the, the, the tree is, is bearing what it has. If you have Christ, if you have the seed, you bear good fruit. If you have not Christ, you don't bear good fruit. So it's all in, in, in that. And so Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, that, uh, that uh, a, a, a good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth corrupt or evil fruit. Have you ever, uh, have you ever ate uh, a fruit off of a tree, say an say a apple? Let me just use that for an example. And, and it tasted so good. But what did you? What happened when you got a crab apple and took a bite? Have you ever, a cherry tree? A good cherry tree. When you go to a good cherry tree and you get a cherry off of it and you take a bite, mm, that's so good. I love cherries. But go to a wild cherry tree and get one, and what happens? It turns your lips wrong side out, doesn't it? And so it, it's a picture, Jesus was using that for an example of the, of the tree that bears good fruit and the tree that bears corrupt fruit. They're both cherry trees or both apple trees. But the fruit is different. And it's a picture of who we are in Christ versus who people are without Christ. Okay? We have good fruit. And we are to bear this good fruit for the glory of God. So let's go ahead and look at this. Matthew uh, chapter uh, uh, 3 verse 10. I think wife's going to read that with Connie's help to us. Uh, so y'all be listening real good. And he's going to read to us what John the Baptist said about this. Matthew chapter 3 verse 10. Amen. Thank you, Wyatt. He's been learning how to do that. So I'm over here and read it because I know you couldn't hear it from him. It says, Now also the axe is laid into the root of trees, of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now this is a this is a warning that was issued from the, the last prophet, G, uh, 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 before Christ, uh, John the Baptist. And he's talking about this, this time has come that Jesus is here. Things are fixing to change. And he's going to lay an axe to the tree. The law, the, the Judaism had gone sour. The fruit had gone bad. It was of none effect anymore. He was fixing to lay an axe to that tree. And, it, uh, every, and, and from this point forward, every tree that bringeth forth fruit, not forth good fruit, will be hewn down, will be cut down. And what happens to it? It's being cast into the lake of fire. Now he's talking about the lake of fire and brimstone. It's where the, where is the tares that separated from the wheat at the harvest? Where's it going? It's going to be burned in the in the lake of fire also. So everything that is separated that beareth not good fruit is going to be burned in this lake of fire. 
That is why the Bible gives us a picture of what the good fruit is versus that that bears not good fruit. Okay? And so who are we? Which side are we on? Do we bear good fruit? Do we bear bad fruit? Now let me ask, now let me interject this. What about the person who bears no fruit? Christ cursed that one and it died. Think about that. We are required, according to Scripture, to be fruit-bearing people. We are required in Scripture to be fruit-bearing people. We are seed planters. We are people who plant seed for a growth. Okay? And so, so always remember that. This is not something that the Lord asks us to do. This is something He requires us to do. And he shows us in the end what's the difference between the one who does and the one who does not. Okay? So we need to get this down because there is work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. And is everybody that you uh, share with going to be saved? No. So does that mean to just quit? I've shared with 50 people in a month and nobody even came to church. Is that a reason not to do it anymore? Not according to the kingdom, the the uh, the Lord of the kingdom. It's not. We're supposed to keep on. And how how long are we supposed to keep on? Till we die, or He comes. Till we die, or He comes. We're to keep on trying, because if we reach one person out of a thousand, is it worth it? Yes. Absolutely. What if that one person is your grandson or your granddaughter? Or your son or your daughter. Worth it. It's all worth it. What if it's a, a neighbor? What if it's a stranger you don't even know? Worth it. Jesus died for everyone. All people. And so for somebody to come to the saving grace and knowledge of him, it's what our work is all about. And if it's just one in a million, then that one was worth it all. Christ said it's worth it to die for them. So it's worth it for us to continue to, to reach out to them. So the corrupt trees... The ones who do not bear, uh, that beareth not, uh, that bringeth not forth fruit. This is the way he put it: is hewn down and cast into the fire. I don't want to be in the fire. Do you? In, in the scripture, that's not a good place to be. Okay, not a good place to be unless it's with the Holy Ghost and fire. You know, that's that's a good thing. And so, uh, this is what we got to do. So, the corrupt tree. It brings corrupt fruit, and it will be cast into the fire. <clears throat> now, there's another one here. This good fruit is going to uh, lead to holiness. Jeremiah, you got uh, Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. Okay, so... But, Paul is, is telling the Roman people, but now being made free from sin, you have become the servants of God. You have your fruit under what? And? Okay, so this fruit that we have, that we got from God when we were made free from sin, you shall, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He whom the Son has set free is freed indeed. We are free... From sin, we are we are freed uh, from from uh, from death. We are we are made free in Christ Jesus. 
And when this happens, look at what he says. We become the servants to who? God. We become God's servants when we are made free. Okay? But being made free from sin and become servants to God. Now, when you become a servant to God, you have your fruit that you bear. And your fruit produces something for you. Your fruit produces holiness, first of all. Because without holiness, what does the Bible say? Without holiness, no man will see God. Okay? And so, we, how many of you feel holy? None of us. If I ask a person, do you feel holy? Everybody you'd ask would probably tell you no. Holiness is not our feeling. Holiness is a result of being made free from sin by Jesus Christ because now we're servants to God. We're holy because He's holy, not because we are. Okay? We're made holy by Him. So the fruit that we bear uh, from being freed from sin by becoming servants to God, the fruit that we have leads us into holiness. And in the end, look at the rest of it, everlasting life. Now, I don't know about your goal. My goal is to have everlasting life and glory with Jesus Christ. Now, according to this scripture, in order for me to do that, I have to be free from sin, I have to become the servant of God, and then I have to bear fruit. And fruit makes me holy, or gives me holiness, and the fruit also gives me everlasting life. Y'all see, y'all any questions about this? Because there's a lot of people who like to argue these points right here and say, well, this, that ain't the way this works. I'm just reading you what the scriptures, this is what thus says the word of God. I'm not making this stuff up. You're looking at, at it with me in the word. We are to bear fruit. Fruit. We are to be fruit bearers. If you're a tree, you're supposed to have something growing on you that's edible, that's good. Okay? And not corrupt. Uh, all right, let's look at the next one. I kind of got them out of line. That you're going to be last instead of third. Uh, Jane, you have for me Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Would you read that for me, please? Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. All right. So this, this is something that Christ has taught that we better pay attention to. Because if we are fruit-bearing trees, and he compares us to the tree right here, you said you either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else the tree corrupt and his fruit is corrupt. And then he says a statement that broadsides us. The tree that you are is revealed by the fruit that you bear. Amen? The, the tree that you are in the kingdom of God is revealed by the fruit that you bear. If you bear no fruit, you're not a good tree. If you bear corrupt fruit, you're still not a good tree. So you must bear good fruit. Then we just read what that meant in Romans 6 and 22 a while ago. The, the fruit that we bear leads to holiness and everlasting life. Not just for ourselves, but for someone else. Okay? We've got a hand-me-down gospel. We're supposed to give it from ourselves to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. I know some of you in here wore hand-me-down clothes before, had you? Anybody? Am I the only one that ever had any? Yeah, you wear hand-me-down clothes all the time. And we have a gospel that we're supposed to hand down 
from ourselves to our children to the, our grandchildren and, and to pe anybody who will listen, we're supposed to give them what we know. Okay? And that is classified as bearing fruit. Okay? And so uh, we are known by the fruit that we bear. So that would explain a lot of times when you say, that's a Christian. And why would you say that? Because what you're seeing come out of them, what you're seeing them do, does not correspond with what the Bible says they should be doing. Amen? So instead of seeing a good tree with good fruit, you're seeing a corrupt tree with bad fruit. And that ought not be. And can you catch somebody in a bad moment? Yes. Yes, you can. I mean, you can pull a, a, a beautiful apple off of a, off of a beautiful tree and take a bite and have a worm in it. Amen? That happens too. And then you might pick five more and won't have a worm. I, I know every one of you has got out there when the plums first get ready, that all of you who were kids that used to pick plums barefoot with short legged britches on them. Y'all did that? And you get up in these plum thickets and you couldn't wait for them to get because we didn't have food constantly like they had now. And you get up there in them plum trees and you'd see one, you knew it had a hole in it, but boy, you wanted to bite that plum so bad. And the big old yellow ones, y'all remember the big old yellow plums? Now we had we had a bunch of them right in front of our house. I couldn't wait. I'd eat them while they was green. Just yep. tear your stomach all up. Mama get mad at us. And then when they start turning yellow, you know the first ones were what they call doty. Mm -hmm. That's when the bugs got in first. If you ever took one off of there, it'd be kind of pretty. And you take a bite and you'd find a piece of worm in it. <laughs> well, guess where the rest of it was? <laughs> yeah. But that didn't mean it wasn't a good fruit tree. So be careful about judging somebody by a moment. All right? Give them a chance. Give them a chance. And so, because every time you see somebody that shows a little corruption does not mean that they're not a good tree. So we have to be careful with that. Think about that. And, and But now when you see them consistently bearing corrupt fruit, now you can worry about them. Okay. Any, any comments about this? All of us can have a bad day, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. Missy had them all the time. And I'm just playing. All right, let's go to the last one. Sister uh, Pat, you've got Galatians uh, chapter 5. Most of y'all already know this one by heart. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and I added uh, through 25. Uh, so, for good measure, would you read that part, please? <coughs> But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Okay. So this is something that you'll notice in the Bible. There'll be a subject. There'll be talk about the fruit. There'll be talk about the good tree. There'll be talk about the corrupt tree. There'll be talk about the barren fruit and where the fruit it'll be all this talk. But if you keep reading and studying because this this uh, just like the seed and the 
and, and uh, the, the growth of the seed and all that stuff. It, it, it's a pattern that goes through the scriptures. And if you keep reading and studying it, eventually it's going to tell you what it takes to bear good fruit and what the good fruit looks like. And this scripture, when Paul gets to the Galatians, and he's already talked to the, these people about the different kinds of fruit, I mean about the, uh, the uh, Jesus has talked about the fruit we bear, Paul has talked about the fruit that leads to holiness and everlasting life. Uh, Jesus also, uh, John the Baptist told us what it meant about a corrupt tree. Well, this scripture right here shows us the fruit that the, that the good tree is supposed to bear. Okay? And look what it is. What gives us the fruit? What makes the tree good? The Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against us there is no law. So it tells us that the tree is made good because, see, the axe is laid, according to John the Baptist, to the corrupt tree. So there's got to be a good tree to spring up from that. We spring up from the, the, the root of Jesse through Jesus Christ, and we are grafted in to the tree that is made for Israel, the tree of eternal life. We're grafted into that, and we are made a good tree, a, good, a tree that bears good fruit. And that is done, the grafting and the tying in is all done through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is what is, is in us that gives us the ability to bear this good fruit. And now he tells us these, these, these characteristics uh, uh, that we shall, shall live and show forth to people that are fruit, uh, uh, proof of the fruit that we have in us. The fruit. And, it, and it's these nine that he lays out, and I don't figure that's all of them, but when he gets to the end of the, of, uh, of the, the last intemperance, which is self-control, against such there is no law. Now, he, he goes further with this. He said, and they that are Christ, now he's talking about people who have the Spirit, that bear the fruit of the Spirit, that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections thereof. In other words, we have this fruit of the Spirit that helps us overcome the temptations and the lusts of our flesh. Amen? And the, the lusts of our flesh, you know, is not love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, uh, uh, faith, and temperance. That's not the, the fruit of the flesh. That is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the flesh is going to be opposites from that. Anger, hate, resentment, malice, Oh, we can just go on and on and on. Anger. All of those things are fruits of the flesh. The things, Brother Dale, the things that we want to do are the things the Spirit forbids us to do and helps us not to do. Instead of knocking somebody's head off, we'll pray for them. That's fruit that we bear in the Spirit. Okay, this is the good fruit that it's talking about. So they that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lust. Now look at this, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the corrupt tree does not walk in the Spirit of God. The good tree walks in the Spirit and is led by the Spirit. And the Bible tells us, he went on ahead and, and also in Romans and told us that he that is led by the Spirit are the sons of God. We are 
good trees. We bear good fruit. 100% of the time, no, we're not that perfect. No, Moses didn't even do that, did he? And he, he was as close to God as any man ever lived on this earth beside Jesus. Moses was probably closer than anybody beside Jesus to, to God. Amen? God allowed Moses to see him, part of him anyway. He spoke to him. He wrote, he wrote and handed him tablets. I mean, that, how do you get it yet? He was not perfect. Nor are we. And so that's not an excuse, that is a fact. But we must be full of the Spirit in order to have the fruit of the Spirit, in order to be the good tree, to bear the good fruit. We have to be crucified with Christ. We have to have our flesh crucified with the affection thereof and have to turn our lives over to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit lead us. And then we have to live in this Spirit. And we have to not only live in this Spirit, we have to walk in the Spirit. So the walk in the Spirit is a display of, of what everybody else sees that's in you. Okay? It's not that they just see you walking, kicking, and skipping. The, the walk means they see the way you live your life, how you live your life, and that the fruit that we have just read about is on display in your life, and they see a different person than anybody else. Any questions about this? You know, this ain't really that complicated. You just have to see it in the Word of God and let the Word of God reveal it to you. That's why this is the seed. Not only does the seed spring up in the people that you give it to, the seed also springs up within us and grows within us and makes us productive and fruit-bearing. Okay? So that is the reason why I'm always telling y'all study, read, study, read, examine. Don't just read, study. There's a difference. Okay? When you get to examining these scriptures, uh, you get you get to seeing things in there that reading won't, won't show it to you. But when you study what you're reading, if you take a few verses and study those few, it starts telling you things. And you start seeing in the scripture exactly what it said and what it's meant. And so what I hope from what you glean from tonight, that you gather from tonight, is that we must be fruitful people. And we must bear good fruit for the glory of God. Amen. Any questions? Now this is some kind of record. It's 15 minutes till 7 we fix it to be true. I ain't got nothing else to say. I can't believe this. I appreciate you. We stand for you. These altars are going to be open for prayer. If you have prayer, you want to pray. And you want to come examine yourself. You know, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. You know what fruit you bear. You know if you're full of the Spirit. You know if you're led by the Spirit. You also know if you walk in the Spirit. You know the seed that you plant. You know. You know if you're a witness or not. You know. And we need to never look at ourselves and expect to find a perfect person. 
need to look at ourselves and always realize that there's always a place we can improve. But we also need to look at ourselves and say, you know, I do do some things right. And we need to look at those things and make sure we continue to do those things right. Amen. The Bible doesn't tell us that we're going to, that we're going to go to heaven because we're perfect. Bible tells us we're going to go to heaven because Jesus is perfect. Amen. And He dwells in us. That's what we got to make sure of. That He dwells in us. That we stay full of Him. And that we are good trees that bear good fruit and bear it for His glory. And because of that, we can be holy and we can have everlasting life. And that we have a great God. He makes He's made a way for us, and He's shown us how to do it and what we, He requires of us to do it. We just need to set our minds and thoughts on those things and quit letting the world dictate to us what we think and talk about. Let the Spirit dictate to us. Let the Word of God dictate to us what we think and talk about. Thank y'all for being here tonight. Y'all know it's summertime, so we got a kind of hit and miss crowds, and uh, so just be out there shaking the bushes, be some good, good fruit, uh, go bear some good fruit, invite people, tell people about Christ, get them excited, and uh, tell them tell them how great your Lord is. Just tell them how great your Lord is, and that'll be what we need to do. Thank y'all for being here today and tonight. Don't forget Wednesday night. And uh, next Saturday is men's breakfast, and uh, so uh, y'all be sure and get the word out and uh, be here for, for a good old breakfast about 7 o'clock next Saturday morning. We'll have her ready. Okay. Johnny Crow, would you dismiss it? Heavenly Father, just thank you this day, dear Lord. Opportunity we had to come to your house today and hear a word from you, dear God. I just pray, dear Lord, message we heard tonight, dear Lord, we will be fruit bearers, dear God, we'll be out. Doing your work, dear God, and taking your word out to the lost and dying world, dear God. Our, our country is ripe for the harvest, dear Lord. We need to be out there in the field doing the work, dear God. Dear Lord, if we are those who are unable to be here, dear God, the ones that are sick, dear God, just restore their health. We will be surely in the hospital, dear Lord, just give her health back. Be with those who are on trips, dear God, just watch them and bring them safely back home to us, dear God. Dear Lord, we do thank you for the sacrifices that the men and women of our country have made, dear God, that we have the freedom, dear Lord, to gather here at this house, dear Lord, to, and to hear a word from you, dear Lord. We just lift up those families that lost loved ones, the children that grew up without moms and dads, dear Lord. We just lift them up to you. Dear Lord, once again, just thank you for all the blessings you've given us, dear Lord. Dear God, forgive us when we fail there. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, don't forget about the mall down there. Uh,